This week's podcast brought to you by the Univorce. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't have an amusing anecdote to open this week's cold, for the cold open of this week's podcast. So should we just get right to it then? Well, we have so much trivial, nonsensical, perhaps the most least consequential podcast we've ever done. So without further ado. I thought you were going to say we just have the most trivial pursuits. This is a trivial pursuit and it includes trivial pursuits. So without, without further ado, let's get right to it. Without further ado, don't. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Shall we? We shall. Talk board games, that is? Yes, let's talk board games, because our kids kind of have a renewed interest in board games. When we were away over Columbus Day, we were playing quite a few board games. Our, our daughter, our youngest, who turned nine last week, got pickup sticks for her birthday because she was loving playing those. We had... Um, Pickup sticks, for those who don't know, sticks that you pick up. Yes. We had a set of pickup sticks, but it was incomplete. And um, it, it, most importantly, the the white pickup stick was missing. And that was, there was only one of those. And it was, I don't know, 25 points or whatever. So the new set we got her, the Holy Grail, is the black pickup stick that I think is worth 20 points. And this is, a at least for now, a complete set of pickup sticks. I never realized that pickup sticks had point values. Yes, the different colors have different corresponding point values, which is, and there's more of some colors than others. That's why it's strategic. It's not just picking up the sticks, but you're trying to get the ones that are higher point value, of course. You just thought you picked up sticks? Yes. Oh, well, um, no. Hence the name. Right, right. And uh, and the, the board game that our son got for his birthday. Um, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. A train-based game of... In this case, it's the European editions of European railroad domination. Yeah, but it's great because you learn geography along the way, and even our eight-year-old can play it, but it's interesting. Even I, I played a game of it with our uh, our 14-year-old, and um, and she really was enjoying it, as was I. It's th- really um, like getting back into board games. As our son said, you got the game for his 11th birthday, and he said, uh, and he loves it, and he said, it's, it's like Risk and Monopoly combined. <laughs> And if you've ever played Risk and or Monopoly with one of your children, you know that those games last for nine days if you play them according to the rules. Yeah, this one lasts for maybe 45 minutes or so. Um, A game that one of our kids got maybe for Christmas last year, um, Mastermind, is a great two-person game. That's that's another one that even our nine-year-old can play. And one Um, that I played in middle school, probably. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing that as a kid, too. So um, some really good games. What else did you play as a kid? What we played as kids, I think we played what everybody played back in those days. We would play cards, of course. We played War and Go Fish when we were little. And then we played the game of life, Monopoly, Trivial Pursuit. I remember um, playing that one as a family and enjoying that one. In fact, I was at the toy store the other day doing birthday present shopping, and they have a like the original edition of Trivial Pursuit is out with the original questions. Uh, it's clearly geared as like a nostalgia thing because either nobody would know what the answers to those questions are today or 
they they know them by heart from having played Trivial right. Pursuit as a kid because yeah. that was always the thing was you would hope you got a question you had before or maybe the card got put back in the deck wrong and you've you've already seen the answer to that question or maybe you saw the answer when you were looking at the answer to a different question. Right, right. It was interesting too because when I was in our local toy store recently, Necker's in Simsbury, which is a family-owned toy store which had been there for years and years, I noticed one one part of the store that has expanded are their puzzles. And I need to ask the um, the owners if that is for adults or children because um, some of them are like, you know, I don't know what would be a big puzzle, a thousand piece puzzle. So I'm wondering if more adults now are going in puzzle shopping. Here's a way to tell. If it's woodcuts of zoo animals, it's probably for children. If it's if it's like a, a 5,000 piece puzzle of Neuschwanstein Castle in Germany, it's probably a puzzle for adults. Well, I get the uh, wooden cutout animal idea, but um, I remember a couple years ago, I don't remember how many years ago it was now, but um, the UConn women's basketball team, one of the things they would do over winter break when you're not going to class and you're supremely bored is they would do puzzles sometimes. And um, so I don't know if it's also a thing that maybe some high school kids do. I don't know. I don't know if those are for adults, like retired adults or adults our age, not quite retired yet, or if it could be for like high school age kids. But I am going to ask the wonderful people who work at Necker's Toy Store. I believe the um, sign on the toy store at Necker's says uh, since 1947, if I'm not mistaken. You're probably right. Family owned for 70 plus years. It's a, it's a, silly little thing but I had a moment the other day when I was there and I actually had tears come to my eyes because our daughter our youngest was given um, by her grandfather a gift card to Necker's to this toy store and when our older two daughters were younger my mother had purchased each of them from that toy store um, a watch like with just a rubber little band analog yeah an analog watch and uh, our one daughter it has fish on the the band of it Anyway, our not, daughter- not the band fish, right. fish on the wristband, <laughs> right? Exactly, watch band, and uh, and so our daughter who had just turned nine was in there. She, I didn't steer her towards anything. She had her gift card and she was looking around, and she just happened to find the little area where the watches were sold, and that's what she chose to spend her gift card on that her grandfather had given her. Anyway. I was telling the woman who works at the store, who owns the store, I was telling her, you know, my mom got our older two daughters watches from here and that our younger one had just chosen it on her own. Anyway, as I was telling her this, like my eyes got all teary and I just got really emotional. (laughs) And the woman, she was, she was wonderful. Just uh, didn't look at me like I was a crazy person, but that's one of the beauties of the um, family owned local store. And the kids are in that store often enough to shop for birthday presents for other kids for their birthday parties that they have cased the joint, essentially. They know what's in it. They know where the stuff is. They know where the Legos are. They know where the books are. They know where the stuffed animals are. And they probably have a good idea of what they will get if they are ever a kid in a toy store and get to choose something out of some impossible dream, which happened with the gift card. Right. Although our son, because his birthday was a week before our daughter's, he went in also with a gift card and he was, he, it took him a really long time to figure out. He was almost just paralyzed. Like, I really want this, but I want this. And then he's, you know, trying to figure out how much money everything is. And, and anyway, it's, um, it's it's lovely to instead of them going into a Target or something like that where the toy 
part is just part of a massive store to just go into a store that is nothing but toys. Um, By the way, do you remember? Obviously delightful. Do you remember when you would go to a friend's house as a kid, or maybe you didn't? You didn't really go to friends' houses as a kid for the most part, but. Growing up in a neighborhood, I would go to a friend's house as a kid, and they would have some of the same board games, Monopoly, usually Risk, something like that, but they would also have a few different board games. Yes. And what we were not, we were not, our family were not Parcheesi or Chinese checkers families. Oh, we were a Chinese checkers family, and one of the best parts about Chinese checkers, at least our Chinese checkers. I take that back. We did have Chinese checkers. We just, we had stolen so many marbles from it for our own. Did yours come in the metal Yes, absolutely, with the the little dimpled things that you, yeah, Yeah, you had to use your fingernails to pry it open. Yes, um, exactly. The bad thing was, sometimes you'd go to, our our house, like my mom was really good. I think she was the keeper of the board games, and um, like the keeper of the crypt. Like we had our, the pieces that were supposed to be in the games were there. The the playing cards were there. So we could play a real game of Chinese checkers because all of the little marbles were still in there. That was a good game. We don't own Chinese checkers. Now, I actually don't think I've seen it when I've been, when I've been out shopping and I don't know, in, in 2019, is it okay to call it Chinese Probably checkers? Probably not. But, Probably but not. the other thing that was sort of a, a exotic game in people's basement was bumper pool. Bumper pool. Bumper pool. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I probably could figure it out, but I don't remember seeing bumper pool. Bumper pool. It was it was a it was a pool table, but not like a regular pool table. It was a smaller, modified pool table with bumpers in the middle. Um, Really? Yeah, it was weird, and it still exists, I'm sure. Um, But but if I may just go back to board games for a second, I think the the I mean they've always been around, but the the demise in my life of my young life playing board games was around 1980-ish, early 80s, when when, when they became sort of electro, electronicized, if there's such a word, because, uh, do you like remember the game clue? Stop Thief? Do you remember that game Stop Thief? Oh, Electronic that's Cops that's and actually, Robbers. That's exa- that's, I, when I said Clue, that's actually yes, what I was thinking right. was Stop Thief. My sister had it, and you it would look like a... Yeah. Yeah. And you had a, like a handheld electronic device yes. that helped you catch the Cops and Robbers, and then there was Merlin... Yeah, sort of. It, it it was separate from any board game. It just was the game itself, and then you had all the handheld electronics like Mattel football and that. And what that, was that the one though that just lit up the color and you had to follow? That was the Simon. Simon, right, right. And and there wasn't enough. There weren't. The great thing about board games is there. You had a board and all these pieces, and then when you became enraged, as you inevitably did in my family, you, the loser could flip the board, and all the pieces would go flying, and then everybody would end in in. Uh, in that's, fisticuffs and recrim- bitter recriminations. That's a um, difference between your family and my family. We would get annoyed with one another, and my sister still claims that I have a look that I get on my face if I'm winning at um, like a card you do. game. I-, I know that look. Well, and which is why we don't play cards anymore. But but no one like it would not have been allowed in our house to like flip the board over. What makes you think it was allowed to, in our house? Well, because I'm sure all of you did it. There it was not when it was happening. It was not. We knew we knew better. I can assure than the you. Russians did. I can assure you, and I say this as a compliment to him. My dad wasn't sitting down and playing board games with his kids the way I am. He oh. had better things to do. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't sitting down playing board games. I enjoy so, sitting. Therefore, down and playing it was Lord of the Flies when when I was playing board games with our siblings. There was no parental uh, supervision. Right. No. True. But I I do I find it to be a super relaxing, enjoyable way to spend time with our children, especially, you know, if it's a rainy day or whatever. And especially now that our nine-year-old, we can play more things than just go fish or war or, you know, some of the more remedial Well, when I've played sorry with our kids, I've removed the sorry cards because that was the 
that was the, yeah. the the match that lights the fuse. I think we've talked about this before. You let our children win at board games and, let them and win. regular I just games. And I, I think you should just need to play. You don't have to be ruthless about it, but they need to learn how to lose. And I think it's okay if a sorry card isn't a game. I know it might lend them, you know, especially certain of their personalities makes them full of rage, but they it's one of the ways you learn how to deal with that. All right. Well, if we've already talked about um, sorry rage, then we should probably move on. <laughs> you and I um, had a joint speaking engagement this past week, and um, we had to be in downtown Hartford uh, for a big event in front of a lot of people, and we had a very small margin for error on our timetable because one of us, me as it turns out, had to get our youngest daughter from school, yeah. from her after school activities. Then I was I was in a suit and tie when I did it. I was going to come home, pick you up. You're going to be ready to go, and we were going to hit the road and then just barely make it through rush hour traffic on time to the place that we had to be at the time that we had to be. But it, it didn't go according to plan. It didn't, as things rarely do. And uh, I don't want to get graphic here. But by the time I got home, you were, uh, for reasons that, that uh, aren't worth explaining, you were probably literally uh, wrist deep in, let's say, raw sewage. Let's and uh, and, um, <laughs> and you... I was fully dressed in the outfit I was wearing. My hair and makeup were done. I was ready to leave the house. And next thing you know, I am... Wrist deep in raw sewage. <laughs> that, that's the name of your forthcoming album, by the way, is yes. it not? Yeah, exactly. It'll be country music. Um, so I spent a, a fair amount of time, meaning a, a long time, washing my hands, scrubbing my hands just with soap. You've with, tried scrubbing. You've tried soaking and still yes. ring around the collar. I mean, I spent a, a fair amount of time with soap and really hot water cleaning my hands and then as we were leaving the house our son mentioned he's like every time we open the refrigerator so there's a really gross smell so I opened the refrigerator and I realized it was a piece of uncooked salmon that was in the refrigerator that hadn't been in there for very long it shouldn't have smelled this bad in fact I'm the one who had cooked the rest of that salmon yes maybe a day or two before so anyway it really really smelled it had to get out of the house so I took that piece of salmon it was in a container threw it away, put the trash out. We're 15 minutes behind schedule at yes. this point. Go to the sink, and again, hot water, lots of soap, washing my hands. I haven't even really touched the, the salmon. I've only touched the container it's in. Anyway, wash my hands repeatedly. Get in the car. You're driving. And as we're driving... I'm driving and handing you wipes because well, no, you feel like you can't... Well, no, as we're driving, I said, my hands still sm- stink. They still stink of sewage and salmon salmon spoiled salmon <laughs> i mean is there a worse combination and i had washed them and washed them and washed them but people who have who have had these things come in contact with their hands whether you walked your dog and you know the bag you're using breaks or whatever you know how hard it is it doesn't matter how clean your hands get how hard it is to get rid of that smell so you're handing me we have a, a container of wipes in the car. And mind you, this we this children. Is, we're we're in my car, so that which had recently had a bag of garbage in it <laughs> for a couple of days, un, which we I'd forgotten about. We were actually in my car, but oh, anyway. That's right. So you're handing me the wipes, and I'm just like scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, and and with multiple wipes, and I still can't completely get the smell of salmon and sewage. 
off of my hands. I'm 100% sure there was no salmon or sewage on my hands. I just couldn't get rid of the smell. So we go to the event. We go to the event. You're in a a, a sort of a wedding-style receiving line of a couple of hundred people. You're shaking hands and taking photos for 90 minutes straight, right? Yes, about 90 minutes. And um, I was parking the car. I had to let you out. We were running so late. So you could scamper in six-inch heels through downtown Hartford. They while, were two-and-a-half-inch heels. Two-and-a-half-inch heels while I uh, sat in traffic so I could park the car. I couldn't abandon the car. As a result, I got up to the event as you were in mid-grip and grin. And, and somebody said to me, boy, we're going to have to get Rebecca between now and the dinner. We're going to have to get Rebecca you know, to the restroom or get her some Purell or something. She's, you know, shaking all these hands. And I feared that uh, all of the people she was shaking hands with were the Purell <laughs> for you. <laughs> because am... anything anything that had come in contact with you was likely to uh, make your hands uh, cleaner. I am 100% certain, 100% certain that there was no residue. Of, of course there was no residue of anything. Of anything I'm on my hands. Although I have to say, as during the grip and grin, they were passing hors d'oeuvres, and a couple times early on, people came over, and I, I had this odor of fish wash over me, and I got really worried. And then I realized that one of the hors d'oeuvres that they were passing around was some seafood or something, and it was actually the people who smelled like fish, and not just my hands smelling. Will like you the eat bad salmon? salmon. Any, will you eat salmon anytime soon? I will not eat salmon anytime soon. No, it's gonna it's gonna be a while. <laughs> that smell. Oh. And I'm glad you talked about parking the car because when we park a car together, I am very good at then when the evening is over being able to find the car. But since I wasn't with you when we parked the car. We came out of the convention center and you had no idea where the car was parked. But fortunately, you had taken a picture. And well, so, I had taken a picture of the sign, but that doesn't often do you any good. But no, it doesn't do you any good. It did me good because I, know, I what, recognized what, that it was done by color and by area. So it was like purple four or well, something. I was racing to get into the, in from the parking garage through a hotel into the convention center and and really had no sense of my surroundings when yeah. I when I was running in. And when you, you don't come have out, sense of your surroundings but, but in really, normal circumstances. Why, why is it helpful to me that, you know, purple C9 Colorado uh, uh, Niner, how is that supposed to help well, me figure was, out where the car is It was is helpful to me because, fortunately, we ended up being on the purple level, and I could look and see the numbers were ascending and knew that, oh, there's two and three, so four must be over there. Anyway, we found our car. Most of them and sound like uh, audibles being called by Peyton Manning. Know, you know? totally do. C-35 Omaha. And, uh, and anyway, but that also made me think, when I'm traveling a lot, um, one thing I do is I take a picture of the key envelope that they give you because oftentimes I'll wake up in the morning. This happened to me during the WNBA playoffs. I woke up in Washington, D.C., and I thought for a couple seconds, I'm like, all right, if if I had to tell somebody right now what my room number was, could I do it? And that was a, one of the circumstances where I could remember the floor I was on, but I absolutely couldn't remember my room number. And so, so that doesn't happen to me after I've left the room. I now take a picture of the key envelope to not only know which what the heck hotel I'm in. I generally know the city, what hotel I'm in, but also to know my room number. So I'm, I'm glad that you did that while we were in the parking garage. For the same reason when I'm traveling, I, I, I go out of the hotel, step across the street, and take a picture of the hotel. <laughs> Perfect. 
I was in a crabby mood the other day. It was youth sports related, nothing to do with any of our kids' youth sports, yeah, but just a... I, I think you should tell it, but just don't mention the, the name of the of the, of the national coffee chain. Okay, I won't mention it. So I was, I was crabby, and um, I had to drop our daughter off for her, for her uh, volleyball practice. And it was later in the afternoon. I was all, Part of the reason I was probably crabby was I was hungry. I hadn't eaten much that day. So I placed a mobile order to this particular establishment. An establishment where I've been uh, done wrong many times. And yes. I no longer go to that particular that outlet particular of that particular one. establishment. So I went there. And you know, even though I'd given plenty of time, my mobile food order wasn't ready. And um, it's like, okay, I'm gonna just going to order. It was a really cold day. We've been outside in the rain watching some of our kids' soccer games. Maybe that's another reason I was crabby. I was cold. And I, so I ordered a coffee, just a regular coffee, nothing fancy, nothing that has to be put in any of the little contraptions. All you have to do is pour this coffee. Seems like a, a foolproof. A cup. Seems what could like, go wrong? Seems foolproof. So then I go to, to where you pick the stuff up, and I see a little sticky label has been printed out with my food order. And um, all it says is, sorry, all out with a frowny face drawn on. So, all right, I'm hungry. There's no food here, whatever. That's it's not a big deal. I'm already crabby, though. <coughs> so as I'm standing there, there's three people working at this establishment. There's a woman who's working, looks to me, working her tail off. She's uh, getting mobile orders ready. There's other people there that she's clearly making their beverages that are a lot more involved than just pouring a hot cup of coffee there. You know, cold beverages, hot beverages, there's a lot of stuff going on. She's multitasking. Lukewarm beverages. Lukewarm beverages. So I'm just standing there waiting for the gentleman to pour me my cup of coffee. At which point, the one guy, and I'll say he's in his early 20s, says to the other guy, who also looks like he's in his early 20s, I miss my cat already. I miss my cat already. I miss my cat. My cat. I miss my cat already which leads me to believe he hasn't been at work very long he's early in his shift do you think his cat has passed away or he just has has cat separation i I got the feeling that he maybe had maybe it was a new cat and that he misses him i I didn't get the feeling that the cat was was recently um, deceased recently deceased no so these two guys start having a conversation about cats which would be fine you can have a conversation about whatever you want as long as your hands are still moving and you're still doing your job, maybe along with that job comes pouring my cup of coffee. No, they just stood there not doing anything that resembled work, talking about missing their cats. And this went on for a few minutes and I was just standing there and I was getting more and more irritated. And I at least had enough self-awareness to realize that there's nothing, there, this was not going to end well for me. Because if I said anything, like say, for example, I said, excuse me, can you pour my coffee while you miss your cat? I come across as a jerk. Or really, if I say anything, uh, you know, I'm just waiting for my cup of coffee. I come across as a jerk. So it it wasn't, it was just a cup of coffee. I think I spent like $2 on this cup of coffee, maybe $2.50. I decided the best thing for me um, and my reputation (laughs) was just to leave. So as these guys are talking about their cats, and I've been standing there, I don't know, five minutes waiting for my cup of coffee, I just left. I didn't say a word. So uh, I don't know if they ever poured the cup of coffee, um, but I do know this. I will not go back to that particular establishment maybe ever again because I'm still annoyed about the guy who misses his cat. Did any part of you feel 
empathy for the gentleman who was separated from his cat? I did not feel any empathy at all, no. That's an appropriate response. Well, we've mentioned this before, though. You're now getting my luck at restaurants and coffee shops and things like that. Yes. And last night, we were all at our daughter's volleyball match. Some of us, not me, but some of the children were were hostile uh, participants in that. But we had to get them something to eat on the way home. And we stopped at Noodles and Company, which I, I, I what, what do you think the alternate, the rejected names for Noodles and Company were? Noodles Incorporated and <laughs> Noodles LLC, I think, were probably the two. Maybe. Immediately spring Although I kind of like the way Noodles LLC sounds. Noodles LLC, I think so too. And we were placing our orders. And I said, you know, I'll go with something simple. I would like spaghetti and meatballs. And they said, and I quote, we're all out of meatballs. And while I felt bad for you. Um, In fairness, the lady should have said to me, hey, we're not meatballs in company. Right. We're not meatballs LLC. Well, we're noodles. I sort of felt bad for you. But at the same you, time. You burst out laughing. At the same time, I was like, there was a sigh of relief as if, all right. The universe, the universe, the universe, the, the universe is back on its axis. Like things are right again, and maybe, um, maybe things will go right for me again. Because in my old world, my cuff, cup of coffee would have been poured, and uh, so maybe all will be back to the way it's supposed to be. But but it it won't. Um, I mean, it will still continue to affect me. Possibly not you, but I was. You asked me. To go, I went to the grocery. I had made the mistake, not the mistake. It was, it was. Uh, I'm happy to do it, but I invited a friend over for dinner over the weekend without first consulting you. You were happy to I have, wasn't, have company. I was of course. not unhappy about no, that no, no, at no, all. No, 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 no. But uh, you're not unhappy at all. No, in fact, on the contrary. But you did mention that the house wasn't clean and that we needed we some needed food. Some food. If and we were and have someone even though I had already asked said friend to bring the food, and he was happy to oblige, I said I would go to the grocery and get some snacks. And when I did that, the grocery was an absolute madhouse. And so I waited, and, and each line was, you know, five deep. And by the time I finally got locked into a line, in other words, there were people ahead of me with stuff filling the belt and somebody behind me with a full cart. That's when, of course, one lady popped out and said, I'll help the next person on register four, the next register to me, which is when boxed in, uh, the guy boxing me in behind me went over to that register and uh, with his full cart and also a young woman from the register one more down, the line one more down, went for that register and they sort of had a uh, standoff and she had a couple of items. He had 9,000 and she naturally said, you go ahead and he happily uh, went ahead. With his 9,000 items nine thousand which he had which, which four just, uh, cans of uh, cat food. Yeah, so, so I don't know if the, the universe... Is is rebalancing, but it's certainly well, not not in my that favor. Was, and that was after my coffee experience. So we you, you've had that, and then the noodles and company running out of meatballs. And actually, my luck yesterday was pretty good. So yeah, maybe it is all starting to come together again. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. <laughs> Jagaru Deva. Am I not um, allowed to? Uh, no, you are. I occasionally just, I, I, have I, I, a little. I always think it as the universe now. The Universe of Connecticut, Minnesota University. Yes. Let's, let's Univers- keep going with this. Universal Studios. <laughs> Shall we get to viewer mail? Please get to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first uh, 
mail comes into ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And it comes from it comes from Dane. Dane writes, Hi, Stephen Rebecca. I thought I would offer my services as your Australian correspondent. We need an Australian correspondent. We do. I haven't noticed a lot of international correspondence when listening back through your podcast catalog. I'm hoping that it's not a conscious exclusion clause in your correspondent policy. Absolutely not. In fact, our, our man in Santo Domingo uh, would welcome, I think, uh, uh, sharing the... the uh, the overseas uh, workload, wouldn't you? Although I think we are in the middle of uh, rewriting our international correspondent policy. So, um, you know, when we get that completed, we can send it along. Correspondent or not, and, and, and Dane, you've got the job, absolutely. I wanted to let you know that your podcast has international appeal, at least in my corner of the world. Loving sports, being a useless handyman, and disappointing your wife with sub subpar gifts is universal, or as we now know, universal. <laughs> That podcast that the podcast that inspired my correspondence was your discussion on loose meats in several podcasts. Australia, Australia, like the U.S., is an amalgamation of many proud states, and one matter we take great state pride in is our processed meat naming conventions. Dane has already earned his keep as our Clearly. correspondent. I'm not sure if the U.S. has several names for what I think you call cocktail franks, but the Australian naming convention for cocktail franks is bizarre and wonderful. In my, fi- in my fine state of Queensland, they are Cheerios. In New South Wales, Cocktail Franks. And in South Australia, Little Boys. In- <laughs> God, I love Australia. Encountering- okay. Okay, go Dane writes, encountering a South Australian at a gathering offering Little Boys for the first time is a strange proposition. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're an American who goes there and asks for Cheerios for breakfast. That's true. Uh, I believe the only alternate name we have for them here is Cocktail Weenies. Yes, we do. Right? I'm sure there's up there are other names. Steve, I see Little Knights Smokies, right? Little, Smo- Little Smokies, Little yes. Smokies, Little Smokies, yeah. that's right. Steve, I see Knights in White Castle is released in a few weeks here, and I'll be pre-ordering it for my summer reading over the Christmas break. No White Castles here, though, that I'm aware of. Cheers, Dane. Dane is our Australian correspondent. We are thrilled to have him. You know what? That actually reminds me. This morning when I was at the grocery store and had good luck, by the way, the gentleman in front of me who I've run into um, not only at the grocery store but on the bike path occasionally, he said to me, as he held up a box of White Castle burgers, he said, a friend of mine heard your husband speak a week or two ago. He meant talked about White Castle burgers, so I'm getting some to ah. try. So how about that? It's big at the microwavable prepackaged yeah. ones. Yes, okay. yes. Um, uh, the, our next uh, viewer mail is, a, is a, a photo. I love the photo of viewer mails. This is uh, from John. John writes, a few episodes back, you discussed unusual pairings of businesses situated in the same location or sharing a parking area. And the photo is of a billboard, a very large billboard, Brasstown Pharmacy, Drug and Gun. Oh, no. And look at this. There's a big handgun on a, it looks like a stack of ammo, prescriptions, comma, firearms, ammo accessories. I'm guessing that billboard's not in Connecticut. That billboard is in Georgia. John also encloses a photo of um, what is called title chop. When um, earlier this month you posted a pic of XM Radio's abbreviated caption of Engelbert Humperdinck. He was just listed as Engelbert Humper. Mm -hmm. And our daughter said, really, that's his name, Engelbert Humper. And I said, no, don't be ridiculous. It's Engelbert Humperdinck. Right. Well, um, across, uh, across John's Radio console here. It says, uh, it just says, is Trump pervert? <laughs> is Trump pervert? I imagine it was asking, is he perverting the course of justice? But the title chopped right there. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> 
Matthew, Matthew Bartleson. We haven't heard, have we have I said too had, much by giving his last name? No, but he, he has sent us, uh, he has sent me a couple things okay. on, on Twitter. So okay. it's well, good to hear from him via email. Well, Matt writes, hi, Rebecca and Steve, have you missed me? I sure hope so. I'm sorry I haven't been contributing viewer mail lately. I had a busy summer and I won't lie. I live in a downtown city and I very rarely get in my car. And when I do, I've been cheating on you with some amazing true crime podcasts. Well, how dare he? But I digress. Anyway, I laughed, writes Matt, when I heard the twelve item and underline. When I heard the twelve item and underline, often mis mis uh, stated as the twelve items or less line at the grocery. Right. I, being feisty, bold, and someone who will call people out on things, get really fired up about this. I asked the grocery store cashier about this one. This is when people bring more than twelve items to the to the mm-hmm. express line. I asked the grocery store cashier about this one time, and I was told that they can't say anything to the customers where I shop. They just have to check them out regardless of the number of items they have. So here's the story, writes Matt. I was buying beer and ice at the store once, and I got in the 12 items and and underline. When I arrived, I was third in line, and the woman in front of me had a cart full of groceries. Annoyed, I counted them all in my head, and when I arrived at 27 items, I said to her, Ma'am, are you aware that you have 27 items in the 12 item and underline? Angrily, she replied, No, I don't. To which I said back to her, Yes, you do. And I know the cashier can't say anything to you because I've asked before, but I can. (laughs) This woman then shouted at me, I do not have 27 items. So guess what I did? I counted out loud to her from one to 27, every item that she put on that belt. I looked at her, smiled and said, see, I told you you had 27 items. Please don't do that again. She hated me, but the cashier did not because she looked at me and said, I love you. (laughs) I have a feeling Matthew, if he was at the establishment waiting for his cup of coffee, would not have turned around and walked away silently. I have a feeling he would have said something to the guys about their cats. P.S. writes Matt, I was the person, Rebecca, who introduced you to poutine. Yes, I think, he was. I think recently you, you mentioned not knowing how poutine had come up yes, on the podcast. The hot topic of conversation in the recent podcast was uh, vintage pet food commercials of the 70s yeah. and early 80s. Uh, Snossages. Yes. Kibbles, Kibbles and, and Bits. Gainsburgers, those yummy, delicious, juicy Gainsburgers mm. that we both craved as as uh, unsnacked children. Hello, Stephen Rebecca, writes TR the Critter Sitter, newly minted as our, as our resident, uh, as our resident what? Pet Walker. Pet Walker. Thank you for allowing me to be your resident pet sitter dog walker. She opens with, my company na- My company is TR the Critter Sitter. Last week you were talking about pet food commercials that you remember watching a few years ago. So she was instantly of service to us here. That dog food looks really appetizing in those commercials, maybe even good enough for people to eat. The irony in all of this is that dogs and cats do not care what it looks like. Their only concern is if they can smell it. If it smells good, they'll eat it. They don't care what color it is. They don't care if it's shaped like a piece of fish or a dog bone. Actually, the truth is dogs will eat things that you cannot even imagine. I spend a lot of time preventing my pets from eating crap. Probably, literally so, right. in our case. Right. Veterinarians would be able to tell you what they have retrieved from dogs' stomachs, and yes, dogs will eat, even eat poop occasionally. Rebecca asked if there are pet food commercials on TV today. Yes, there are. In my former career, I helped our clients decide where they should focus their advertising. So some TV channels will have a lot of pet food commercials and others will not have any. So you, it's Rebecca, her fault that I don't ever see pet food commercials. Well, you're watching the wrong channels or perhaps the right channels. Well, they're, I'm saying they're not advertising 
everywhere where a pet owner is watching. Interestingly, uh, TR the Critter Sitter says, when I am walking dogs, most people wave or say hello to me. I remember you talking about your survey you did last year. It has to be the dog. So maybe that's what we're doing. We're not walking with the dog. When we're out jogging, if we had our dog with us, maybe we would get more hellos. Well, it's interesting because, and I will retweet this because on, on Twitter, Kurt sent us a uh, a message that had to also do with those pet food commercials. And he was upset that we left out his favorite. And he sends a link on YouTube, and it was for Chuck Wagon. Do you oh, remember well, Chuck, Chuck Wagon? Wagon. I, I, did we leave it out? Because I said the one, the, the Chuck Wagon, that would, that would, yeehaw, and would come cruising from underneath the cabinet around the kitchen. Chuck yeah. Wagon was, was the great I, with the red I, and white checked. I think canopy. I interrupted you when you had started talking Probably. about it. So, anyway, on Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod, I will retweet Kurt's tweet, which includes a link, and I've already watched it to uh, that Chuck Wagon commercial that's now housed. It's a on great commercial. And, and Andy writes Steve, I think the dog food many will remember from the 70s is Alpo, hawked by Lauren Green. Absolutely. Can't remember, but is that the one, writes Andy, with meat byproducts? It absolutely is the one with meat byproducts. And it was also one that was uh, frequently a sponsor, as I remember, of The Tonight Show. And Ed McMahon would often hold up the Alpo can. I don't know if Johnny just, that's where he drew the line or what. But Lauren Green, you remember Lauren Green? I do. Lauren Green uh, from Bonanza and Battlestar Galactica. He was for years the spokesman for Alpo. And he was one of the very few Lorns that I can think of. Yeah, true. It's um, you bring up Johnny Carson. That reminds me. The other day, I was in the car and uh, th- that channel was on, and it was an episode from March of 1974, and I had no idea who the the guest was, but she came out and Johnny complimented her outfit because she was. He referenced her being dressed up, and and he said, you know, a lot of women come on with pants and pantsuits now, but you're all dressed up. And she said. She said, yes, you know, I knew I was going to be the only woman on the show, so I wanted to dress up. And then she said, I don't believe in women's lib. And when she said that, the the uh, audience erupted in wild applause. And uh, she said, I want a man to tell me where to go, what to do, where to be. And the audience erupted in wild applause again. She was, was an actress thinking, from like the 40s and 50s, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, I, was, you know, she was a grandmother. Yeah. And, and anyway, when the, the wild applause from the audience was the one that kind of... Well, it was, a, it was a, a hot little, button I to, issue at the time. Yeah. That's why the Bobby Riggs, Billie Jean King Battle of the Sexes right. match was such Equality a big deal. Equality for women. I mean, come on, ladies. I can think of I can think of three Laurens, all of them Canadian, because Lauren Green, who changed his name from something else to Lauren Green, um, was Canadian. They are Lauren Michaels, of course, of course. and Lauren Gump Worsley, the Gumper, Minnesota North Stars, the New York Rangers goalie extraordinaire. Um, and, and also Martin Amos's uh, novel, uh, Money, a great novel, but he had a character in there. All, all the characters are pretty awful in that, uh, called, I think it was a movie producer and his name was Lorne Guyland. Lorne Guyland. Ah, I see what you did uh, there. I didn't do it. Martin Amos what did it, did but there. that's, that's the other Lorne I can think of. Maybe it's because, you know, the connotation of forlorn that, uh, that's not a common name here. Uh, Josh in Wyoming uh, sends a photo to ballandchainpot at gmail.com, and it's, uh, he writes, it looks like Buffalo, Wyoming has something for Denny, and it's a photograph uh, of the Curiosity Shop, an antique store in Buffalo, what Wyoming. The, the Curiosity Shop. Okay, that's Did I better. mispronounce that? A little bit. Denny Not hasn't quite, sent us. What did I say before? Universe? Universal. Not quite universe, yes. but. Uh, um, Denny hasn't sent us a Curiosity Shop. Curi- Gosh, I can't say that. No, it's a tough Curiosity one. Shop in a long time. But this one, sadly, is for sale. There's a sign, Buffalo Realty, 
in uh, in the window. So um, so all of the curiosity shops are going out of business, apparently. I um, finally just now posted pictures from last week's uh, ball and chain that people have sent in. So please, we, we will get these pictures that we're describing now posted on our Instagram account, which is at ball and chain podcast. We have a one come in from Twitter from your friend and my friend as well, Dan. He says there's Uber confessions and then there's Uber hygiene. Today, mouthwash, a previous ride, artificial tears. And he sends us a picture of his driver who in the cup holder has a giant bottle of half consumed mouthwash. Now, a couple of problems here. Now, mouthwash, as long as he's not swallowing it, probably not a real traffic hazard. Artificial tears, putting eye drops in. Yeah. While well, driving. But it, but it might be a hazard because if you put the mouthwash in while you're driving, you have to spit it out somewhere. And I don't see like a spittoon in this car or a spit cup. Maybe just puts the window down and spits it out and maybe it also cleans the windows. Swallowing would not be good. The, uh, no, no, definitely The not. Bill Murray, I just wish I hadn't drank all that, co- that cough the, syrup this morning. The beauty of this picture from Dan is that, I mean, the mouthwash bottle is quite large and it is in the cup holder, but Dan still felt the need to circle it and put a big arrow pointing yes, towards well, it. So anyway, I will, re- I will retweet that. Uh, Lori writes, hi, Steve and Rebecca, regarding the architecture office and marriage counseling. Now, we, you did you post a picture? I did finally of, post okay, that one, Of yes. weird business pairings, and one of them was an architecture office slash, slash marriage counselor. It's known among architects, writes Lori, that designing custom homes, couples often have major disagreements about the design. It's a standing joke to see if a marriage can last through the design, then construction processes. Divorce is not unusual, but sad. Architects working long hours is also true. So maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a connection there. I certainly, uh, the only architect I know, Mike Brady, had a very loving, longstanding marriage um, to to uh, Carol after after the uh, untimely demise of his first marriage. We're still not sure what the uh, cause of that was. But I'm not currently working as an architect, writes Lori, but I have my license. If, it, if I was, I could have a design firm named, ah, Tough Schist Architecture. This is we're hearing from Lori tough is schist Tough herself, Schist. Herself? Tough Schist is Lori. That Finkel be, is Einhorn. That would be a perfect name for our, her architectural firm, of course. We continue to enjoy your podcast, writes Tough Schist, and ponder at how many things we have in common. Along with driving a Honda Odyssey, we love watching Boston legal reruns, and our favorite pen at the office is the Pilot G2. This is this is Amazing. uncanny. You need to try the Murado. I use the pen of architects. Well, she writes, you need to try the Murado Black Warrior Pencil, and you will never want another pencil. The Murado, M-I-R-A-D-O, Black Warrior Pencil. I just like the name. The only time I use pencils, though, is when I am um, helping our kids with their homework. Well, you need to do more more, uh, amateur architecture. Okay. None of these things have been influenced by your podcast, but we're already in place. Stone Curtis... Of course, her long-suffering spouse, Stone Curtis, right. husband of tough schist, right. is one who continues to take my G2s because he never puts anything back. So, Stone Curtis mm. is stealing tough schist's G2s. Sounds like sounds like a very familiar situation sounds to like, me. Sounds like very familiar, only they have much, much cooler names than we do. They do. Um, here is a tweet that came in. Again, our, our handle on Twitter is at Ball and Chain Pod, and this comes from your and my friend, Greg. And he says, I await, hey, ball and chain, I await your counter offer. And the picture is of a poster outside a building. It says, earn $15 an hour listening to Jewish podcasts. 
So earn fifteen dollars an earn hour. Earn fifteen dollars an hour listening to Jewish podcasts. Wow. So how does that business model work? I don't have any idea. Because if it does work, we're in the wrong business. Instead of doing a podcast, we have to start listening to them. And it says text this number for an application. And uh, anyway, if people are interested, they can find more information at podcastfellowship.org. I've been listening to Jewish podcasts for free, pro bono. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, now we're going to have to start offering $15 an hour for people to listen to our podcast. I will retweet that one as well. Bob writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, a bit of doggerel for the doctor. A bit of doggerel for the doctor. And he encloses a poem. And, and I'm not going to do it justice, but shall I try to recite this? Please. Hopefully it has the word curiosity shop in it. Dr. Gary Siegel, with a name so regal, deserves his own special intro. Mr. Gallagher-Denny has edited many, including for Ms. Holly Rowe. To laud Dr. Siegel, would it even be legal for me to write for Tom, Dick, and Harry? By pebble-dashed baritone, would a speaker intone the name of the venerable Gary? Thank you, Stephen Rebecca, for doing a hecka the job on your ball and chain show. Let me repeat that one. Thank you, Stephen Rebecca, for doing a hecka, the job on your ball and chain show. He's going M&M here. <laughs> your simplest of palindromes, Bob, he has P.S. Pebble Dash Baritone, quotes a great book that I own, Knights in White Castle, page 194, Steve's description of Marquette Professor James Arnold, my magazine writing professor at Marquette, with his Pebble Dash Baritone. But may I say that one more time? Thank you, Steve and Rebecca, for doing a heck of a job on your ball and chain show. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Bob. We need more more now poetry need, on the show. Maybe uh, maybe at some point Denny can put some beats behind that. Dr. Gary Siegel, with a name so regal, deserves his own special intro. Mr. Gallagher Denny has edited many, including for Ms. Holly Rowe. <laughs> to laud Dr. Siegel, would it even be legal for me to write for Tom, Dick, and Harry by pebble-dashed baritone would a speaker intone the name of the venerable Gary. Thank you, Stephen Rebecca, for doing a hecka the job on your ball and chain show. He's going M&M here. <laughs> your simplest of palindromes, Bob. We could use more poetry on the show. We could. Thank I you, don't Bob. really know what you're, you're talking about. Uh, what do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? You mean you're just going to find one of your favorite poems I not written by you? I have books of poetry here. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And you're just going to recite one because that's, absolutely. that's what the listeners want. That's what the viewers want. They'll pay They'll pay $15 an hour if they can listen to you recite poetry. We did the first nine minutes on Parcheesi. And you think <laughs> my reading a, a poem? You've never read poetry to me. This, this would be lovely. You don't bring me flowers anymore. <laughs> I know. What's going on? Sandy writes, Steve and Rebecca, because I've listened to and enjoyed your podcast for a while now, when I read Stingray Afternoons, I could hear Steve's voice narrating. My husband and I were taking a road trip from California to Idaho, and since we both wanted to read Knights in White Castle, we decided to buy the audiobook and listen and laugh together. Thank you, Sandy. I must say, I was disappointed that you didn't narrate the audio version. We still really enjoyed it, but was wondering why you decided not to narrate. This is from Sandy in San Luis Obispo. Sandy, I didn't decide not to narrate. I was never given the option. I think the voice actor who has done both Stingray and Knights in White Castle has done a hecka the job to quote Bob, but uh, but I, I would enjoy narrating an audiobook. I think they're, they're, they're supposed to be incredibly tedious and painstaking, long uh, process. So maybe your next book you uh, suggest to the um, publisher that they let you do the painstaking and tedious job of narrating it. Well, I should probably I should probably write it first. So, but but yeah, you're fair absolutely point. right. 
Hello, Rebecca and Stephen. Ah, thank you for that. that uh, yeah, thank you for formality. that end. Yes. <laughs> First, thank you so much for reading my email and choosing me as your new resident archaeologist. We're hearing immediately from our resident archaeologists. These people are going straight to work, and I love it. I was actually out on a run when I was listening to the podcast, and yes, Steve, with seven kids and a husband, I am running away. I know that people now definitely think I'm the crazy running woman of Welton. As you were reading my email, I was screaming, laughing, and pumping my fist in the air. Fortunately, I run very early, 5 a.m., before I go to work. So it's still dark, and hopefully not too many people saw my antics. I live in Welton, which is about 30 miles east of Yuma, Arizona. Yuma is the sunniest place in the United States and also the lettuce capital. Which, by the way, now we and all of our uh, listeners have a good sense of Yuma. We do. We have a good sense of Yuma. Uh, nice. No, not nice. It's it's terrible, and you're looking at It's actually not that terrible. That While you are eating your fresh lettuce, writes Jill, um, and other produce this winter, you can thank Yuma for this. I want to try to address some of your comments uh, from your from my email. As for your discussion about the Johnny Cash song that mentions Yuma, that song is titled "The Rebel." You mentioned that, right, I Rebecca? Did, yes. You love Johnny Cash. The name of the person in the song is Johnny Yuma, who wanders the West. Also, I would absolutely wear a monocle while doing my archaeology work. It would go well with the rest of my accessories, which include a fedora, satchel, whip, and sidearm. Does that remind you of anyone? Wow. She carries a whip? Yes. She's saying she's an Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones. style arch- I, I don't believe she is. I think she's putting us on. Perhaps. Uh, but yes, perhaps, I, for sure. And I, and and I like I, that. Um, and I do love Johnny Cash. I bought myself a Johnny Cash album for my birthday. <laughs> I gave you a Johnny Cash album for your birthday. <laughs> Dr. K writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, um, the Pilot G2 is also a favorite in our house. Uh, he asked about favorite pens. I did want to clarify that the Dixon Triconderoga is an actual pencil. Of course it is from the Dixon Tri- Ticonderoga company. It's a specific model that, as I hope you can see in the pictures, is three-sided. I prefer this model for its smooth writing, but also because it has a slightly larger barrel than a standard pencil and also has a matte black paint that I find more comfortable than glossy yellow. Now, you're questioning whether people would tolerate me reading a short poem on the podcast when we're getting into matte black paint being more comfortable than glossy yellow on the, on the tri-sided on the, on the pencil. How tri- many of our listeners pencil, yes. use pencils on a daily basis? I, I don't think I've used a pencil voluntarily since I last took a, a bubble test. I mean, test. you use a pencil when you help our children with their homework. But That's true. Other well, I'm than gonna that. Try the, the, and here's a, here's a photograph of the, of the Triconderoga with its black matte paint in it. And it's, uh, because it I think wonderful. we questioned whether or not that was a typo last week. He's clarifying, no, it's not a typo. It is a triconderoga because of its three sides. So thank you Absolutely. for that Absolutely. I probably should have figured that out. Because even though Steve just read that email, I'm guessing you did not pick up on any of the things he was saying. None whatsoever. <laughs> um, Bob writes, Restiva, uh, catching up on podcasts and you revisited your article in SI on paper tickets. I was discussing this with a coworker and as a result rummaged and found the ticket to my first Cubs game. A touch less expensive and less artful back then. I enjoy the pods. And here's this uh, ticket with a rain check from July 15th, 1971 in the Wrigley Field Grandstand. Admit one. What do you think a grandstand seat cost at Wrigley in 1971? Uh, $2.25. $1.75. So you're very close. Mm. Um, uh, Donna also writes about tickets. Um, but first she writes, Greetings, uh, Rebecca and Steve from the current sports capital of the world. That would be Washington, I think. The World Series starts tonight as we... As we um, Record, record this 
Uh, speaking of which, it was fun to see Rebecca across the court at Games 2 and the amazing Game 5 of the WNBA Finals, Go Mystics. Great job calling the games this season. While it was lovely to share Twitter hellos, it made me wonder if you've ever considered doing brief BNC listener meetups in cities where you're working. I realize the schedule can be grueling, but it would be fun if you could work it in. Rebecca, before you answer that, I'm going to suggest that the next time you're on your road, you have a, a quick BNC meetup with whoever wants it. In, I actually uh, think that's a great idea. That's, I, I should do that. Idea. We could just meet up at a, a local coffee establishment, wait for our coffee to pour, and talk about our pets. As, as long as uh, pet foods. Yeah. You could split a Gainsburger. <laughs> right. Uh, rolling back a few episodes, I want to add my voice to Steve's regarding the emotional power of ticket stubs. I've been saving them since the 70s, waiting through my shoebox of faded bent stubs. Reminds me of seeing Genesis in 1978, Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981, The Rolling Stones in 81, 94, 2004, 05, 15, and 19, Hamilton in 2018, and other special events. I wish I had a Mystics championship stub, but good news, as a partial plan holder with the Nationals, I took advantage of purchasing playoff strips and was thrilled to receive actual physical tickets so I can add the Nats' first ever pennant winning game stub to my box. That's our second reference to Indiana Jones in this uh, It is, that's that's true, yes. For a nostalgia, please see the attached picture of my now 89-year-old father's saved $6 ticket stub from the 1961 All-Star Game at Candlestick Park. And here it is, and it is it is beautiful. I mean, it is. this is a beautiful ticket we should post that picture yeah, definitely will. finally shout out to holly Rowe for so many things for dragging rebecca around my adopted hometown at all hours and for demonstrating the true value of the sunroof lover energy humor and great skill a happy fall donna in dc so uh you can pass that on to i will and you know what, since Rowe donna in her uh, email brought up both holly Rowe and hamilton tickets i think i'll throw in that um I don't think I told this story. Holly Rowe in Hamilton. Now that would be a musical I'd that pay to be, see. That would be a mu- musical. Um, For Holly Rowe in Hamilton. When we uh, when we did our last game in Los Angeles during the playoffs, when they, they lost game three to the Connecticut Sun, uh, Holly and Ryan Rucco both got on a red eye from L.A. back to New York City. And they were telling me later that uh, it wasn't on a huge plane. So they where they were sitting, diagonally uh, across from them, across from Holly, was... Lynn manuel Miranda. And uh, I said to Holly, well, did you talk to him? She said, no, I didn't want to bother him on the flight. And she said, and he had some of his, um, you know, some of his friends or people with him or whatever. But the beauty was she didn't speak to him, but she then gave me a full Holly Rowe sideline huddle report uh, and told me, she's like, I paid attention to everything. She said he took off his shoes, but he had very nice socks on. And then she described the socks and she and she went on. It totally was a huddle report, but of the writer of Hamilton who was across the aisle from her on this red-eye flight. How so. great would it have been if she had pulled from her carry-on bag an ESPN mic-flagged microphone and just leaned in <laughs> and <Yeah>. said... <laughs> exactly. Uh, what, yeah. Uh, Lin-Manuel, when you were writing Hamilton, did you know... It was going to be such a smash. And did you ever give yourself a standing Ex- ovation when you stood up from your Except piano that. or laptop? And then she and would then, have asked a much better question. Which would have that. asked much better but, questions. Uh, yes. But yeah, no, that would have been that would have been absolutely perfect. What would you have asked? What would I have asked? I, I don't know exactly. Oh, I, I probably would have asked him about his um, trip to to the White House and tried to when he performed there in front of President Obama and then try to make a connection that way since I was at the White House uh, with President Obama actually talking about uh, Hamilton with the president. Well, there you go. Uh, later in the podcast, I'm sorry, later in the podcast, I, our final viewer mail comes from Dr. Siegel, subject of the, uh, of the poem. Of the poem. 
recited would, earlier in the podcast. Um, maybe if you recited it differently, then maybe that would um, be part like be considered a poetry. Sl- is it a poetry slam? Yes, a poetry slam. Maybe that could be part of a. Well, poetry next slam. week's poetry slam. I'll I'll, I'll read something in um, in a kind of a beatnik fifties style. Okay. Okay. I'll wear a black turtleneck. Uh, Dr. Gary Siegel is our final correspondent, and he, he hits on many topics, um, uh, some of which um, we discussed in previous jumpers, the various meanings of jumper. It's a, it's a sweater in England, but it's also, we, for, we, uh, declined, we neglected to mention, a jump shot. And uh, since basketball is admittedly Rebecca's life, writes Dr. Siegel, didn't she once say that she would never have married someone with a bad jump shot, i.e. a jumper? That's true. Fortunately, you don't own any bad jumpers. But you own plenty of jumpers, as you know. I do now. Uh, later in the podcast, you discussed pen and pencil brands. Rebecca, did you know that Coach Corso, Lee Corso, your famous ESPN college football colleague, has a business relationship with Ticonderoga pencils? Perhaps that's why he points a Ticonderoga pencil at the guest picker while he says, not so fast, my friend. Yes, I've, I have heard that. Um, I don't know if that's truth or if that's... Um, Dr. Siegel says he has well, a business legend, but Dr. Siegel says he has a business relationship with Ticonderoga so pencils. So then he must. That would be better than having a personal relationship with Ticonderoga <laughs> pencils, don't you think? Or Ticonderoga, yes. Well, Ticonderoga pencils with the black matte finish. Yes. Well, this, I'd have a personal relationship with them. <laughs> Good heavens! This the, uh, is is there more? Because if not, I I want to talk about this email a little bit further. Well, yeah, there's more from Dr. Siegel, but not on pencils. Okay, well, let's finish the email okay. first. Steve, I'm also enjoying, I am also enjoying the Johnny Carson station on XM Radio. My maternal grandmother, Bubby Piasek of Blessed Memory, and I apologize if I, if I mispronounce Bubby's last name, always said that many babies both were created and delivered while Johnny Carson was on TV. As an obstetrician gynecologist, I can verify to some degree that Bubby was indeed correct. This podcast is <laughs> exactly a, how can you verify that? I think you can only verify the uh, the <laughs> OBGYN portion. And, and speaking of that, I had to find my birth certificate today for some reason. Yes, you did. And I had never before been able to read the signature of the of the OBGYN who delivered me. And Doctor Siegel will appreciate this. And I finally made it out. It was it was Doctor Ralph Ryan? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I looked up Ralph Ryan, M.D., Elmhurst, Illinois, and his obituary came up from 2016 in the Chicago Tribune. He passed away at age 91 just three years ago having delivered 8,000 more than 8,500 babies and had eight kids of his own and I found that both uplifting and and somewhat um, in a healthy way you know chief you're not so special you're one of 8,500 kids delivered by this guy at this one hospital in Elmhurst Illinois I would like to know from Dr. Siegel if he knows exactly how many children he has delivered. He must know, have a ballpark figure. He surely. probably knows within the thousands. But I would like to know, if does he know it to the hundreds? Does he know it to the tens? How many children has he delivered? This podcast has inspired Dr. Siegel to read two books on writing, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, which you and I both read and enjoyed, and apparently a classic he writes, and now a Dreyer's English, which is hilarious. And I, I mean, I've been meaning to read Dreyer's English by the... Um, the uh, copy editing guru at, uh, I think, Random House. I recommend them both highly to the BNC Book Club. Having read those books, I've learned what to and not to italicize when writing. Next up, in italics, Knights in White Castle. Last but not least, writes Dr. Siegel, will any viewers be dressing up for Halloween as Rebecca Lobo and Steve Russian? Hmm. Have the Restiva costume. I think, to, I think uh, only two people have ever dressed up as, as ourselves for Halloween, and that was you and I 
15 years ago dressed up as each other as a gag I for a Halloween a, party that yeah. we were hosting. I got a bald um, wig. It wouldn't be called a wig, but whatever those things are called, yeah. a scalp. And then I created a large Sports Illustrated page and stuck my you cut wrote the, you some cut, obnoxious you, things you in cut it. A square, you cut a square out and, and stuck your face oh in the mugshot spot of the column. And I wore... I wore uh, one of your basketball uniforms, and people no were alternately horrified and nauseated. Yes. And actually, we do have friends um, locally who once went as he went as me, and the she went as you. But back to Dr. Siegel's uh, email, there's two things that uh, stood out to me. Uh, you mentioned something, Steve, about um, uh, wearing a turtleneck. Maybe that was in Black your poetry yeah. slam. Not a mock turtleneck. Right. Um, do people wear turtlenecks anymore? Because just today I got an email from, La- from Land's End that their turtlenecks, it was a coupon for 50% off their turtlenecks. So I'm just wondering, like, if you're not a kid playing in the snow, do you wear turtlenecks? Um, and you know when then, people, when, when there's like a, the NBA draft or the NFL draft and people do mock drafts leading up to them? Right. I often put on a mock turtleneck when I feel a mock draft. Okay. And the other one was this. You mentioned, because of Dr. Siegel's email, the jumper, because we talked last week about what a jumper was. And when you and I were speaking at the event last week in Hartford, one of our friends, a gentleman, was saying to you, I was wearing a jumper, and he had listened to the podcast, and he was, he, and he said, asked you, is that a jumper? Is that a jumper? And you were kind of going back and forth. I said, I did two, not know. Yeah, two clueless men. You said, I did not know. And didn't his wife, fortunately, step in and say, yes, yes that's, a, that's jumper. a jumper. <laughs> that's, that's true. That did happen. Yes, that did happen. And so. I, I was reminded of uh, Engelbert Jumperdink. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I heard that phrase. Uh, are we are we done? Uh, Tom Dick Hardy. Well, well, let's thank Mercifully. producer Denny Gallagher. For, thank you, Probably, producer possibly Denny still Gallagher. in Greece, perhaps back from Greece. We yeah, don't really we know. No. And uh, and uh, the house band Tom Dick and Harry. Tom Dick Harry. Now it's time, please. Play please. us out, please. <laughs> Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.